it right well. We're continuing our series uh, today in the book of uh, Philippians. Uh, cast your mind back uh, one week where we learned how the church in Philippi uh, was planted. If you remember, there were three different characters. Can you remember who those characters were? Lydia, who was a... Yeah, she was a business lady, so that's right, she was a business lady. Uh, there was the, the slave girl, yeah, the slave girl, and also there was the... Jailer, good to see you. There we are, Tim. They, they are listening to your message. That's good. That's good. So there were three different characters, Lydia, uh, the businesswoman, the slave girl, and the jailer. And in Tim's message last week, he spoke about uh, the importance of having a passion for the gospel uh, and compassion for people. He also spoke about partnering together. As we're together, we're partnering together for the purpose of this great gospel. And he also talked about us having a love which abounds more and more. Do you remember those three points? You would have spoke about them this week uh, in your life groups. Now, today we're going to be looking at Philippians 2, uh, which talks about valuing others above yourselves. So we're going to be looking at that in a minute, but I'm going to be speaking predominantly um, from verses uh, 1 to 5. Now, the beginning of that chapter starts like this. It starts with the word so. So as a result of, so. So if it, something that starts with so means that there's something before it that we've got to go back to. So we're going to go back uh, to the latter part of uh, chapter 1, verses 27 to 30, to get the context of what we're talking about. So let's read that. So it's uh, chapter 1, Philippians 1, verses 27 to 30, and it says this. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Now, let's think about these things. I'm going to do a visual presentation, but I need four men, four strong men, okay? You don't have to be strong men, just four men. Where can I get four men? Well done, Paul. There's, I got one man. I need two. I need three more. I've got two men. Three men. One more, Dick. Four. Well done. Okay. Right. What I want you to do, chaps, is I want you to come across here and I want you to hold this box. Two on each side. Okay? Two on each side. Two on each side. Okay? Right. Now, I want you to stand firm. Okay? Okay, stand firm. Okay, stand firm. Oh, that's better, that's better. Okay, that's better. Stand firm. Okay, we're not ready quite yet for ready. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to stand, I said side by side. So if you could get two either side, 
You can do it that way, or you can do it on this side, whichever you prefer. And I want you just to turn sideways. I want you to take the box and put it on those two chairs over there. But you need to do this in a right way, okay? You need to pace yourself so that you are working together, okay? So if I help you along with that, that's why I'm suggesting you may want to turn sideways on so you're both walking in the same direction, okay? You're going to walk across there, and I say, when I say you pace, I thought I say one pace, two, three, four, but you've got to be firm. Are you okay with that? Okay. Right, pace. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13. Can you hurry up a bit, chaps? 14, 15. So you can take bigger paces, otherwise we'll be here all day, won't we? <laughs> okay, right, that's good. Okay, that's good. So you know what the task is, don't you? Do you know what the task is? Well, you know what the task is, guys, don't you? Yeah, you know what the task is. So the task is taking the box from over there and bring it over to here. Guys, I, I have to struggle with these guys, you know? I have to struggle with these guys. So you're taking the box from there to here. You're standing firm, okay? You're standing firm all the time, aren't you? Standing firm. So you're in spirit. You know what the task is. You know how to do it. And you're standing firm. Yeah? Okay. Okay. You can go back over there now. Right. So, yeah, then you can come back over here. Okay, Freddie, if you want to get in the box. Okay, now. Guys, I'd like you to do what you did before. I, so, you, you know what the task is, yes? Okay, so I want you to lift him up. Are you standing firm? Are you standing firm? Okay. Okay. Now I want you to walk across in unison together. I won't count you because you know what you're doing now. Okay. 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 And put him down. That's fine. Okay. Good. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Big, big round of applause for these guys. Okay. Sometimes a visual presentation is better because actually it shows you what we're talking about here. You know, depending upon the personal value of what's in the box gives you uh, the level, determines the level of commitment that you'll have. Now, Whilst they were taking the box over with nothing in it, there was, you know, okay, they were, they were into it, they were into it, but once it's got precious cargo, which you don't want to hurt or destroy, that is fragile, then moving the box becomes a much more motivational thing. But they had to know, they had to know what their roles were. They had to stand firm because they had to take enough grip to take along there safely. They had to be in one spirit. In other words, they knew what the task was. It wasn't about them. It was about getting Freddy from there across to there. So they had one mind, one spirit, striving side by side. Now, when the gospel uh, of 
all the good news about Jesus, when that becomes all-encompassing in our lives, and the single most important thing for us, everything flows from that. Philippians 2 starts so, as a result of, and then it goes on, Philippians 2 verse 1, it says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my, joy, uh, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So really, what Paul's talking about here is the motivation for being in unity, like that with each other to perform a task. Basically, Paul asks us, have there been times in your life when you've sent God close to you? I'm going to ask you the question. Has there been a time in your life when you've sensed God being close to you? Absolutely, yeah. The Greek word for encouragement here is paraklesis. It has the root meaning of coming alongside and giving assistance by offering comfort, counsel, or exhortation. And there's hopefully been many, many times when you know, you've had counsel and exhortation, whether it be by reading God's word, by a word from God's spirit to you, a prophetic word, or, or you know, whether somebody has come alongside you as another Christian and given you encouragement. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Is there, if there is any encouragement in Christ, then he goes on to say, any comfort from love. Secondly, have you been aware of his love in your life? And comforted by knowing that nothing can separate you from it. Is that a comfort to you? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It's a motivator. The Greek word used here for comfort is, uh, uh, don't get me on the uh, uh, spelling of this or whatever, but paramuthian, it looks like, has the meaning of speaking closely with someone and receiving comfort and solace in the same way that a mother picks up a crying child to comfort it. It's that strong a motivator. It's feeling, having experienced that comfort. Thirdly, Paul talks about participation in the spirit. The Greek word for participation here is koinonia, which describes partnership, sharing, or fellowship. It's a word that describes our relationship with God. We've been adopted into his family so that all believers, all of us here, are brothers and sisters together in Christ, and therefore we are all bound to each other. Have you benefited in this church? Um, we talked about this in life group, didn't we, Penny, on, on Tuesday. Have you not benefited from the fellowship that you get from being with other believers? Have you benefited from that? I certainly have. And I, I think sometimes how difficult it would have been had I have not had people walking with me. And taking, the, uh, and taking things with me and encouraging me along the way, praying for me. We've benefited from that, haven't we? And fourthly, have you ever received affection and sympathy? Of course, of course. As Christians, we've been blessed by God, haven't we? We've been forgiven for our sin. We've been shown mercy and grace. And likewise, we receive love and compassion from each other. So in a nutshell, Paul's challenge uh, to us is this. Have we benefited from any of these things? Have you benefited from it? 
The answer is definitely, absolutely definitely. Then if you know that it works, if you know that it works, let this motivate you to be of the same mind, having the same love, being full full accord and of one mind. Then it goes on to verse 4. Verse 4 is more of a challenge for us, okay? It says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now this, of course, is where the culture of our day separates from the culture of a true believer. Because, of course, we live in a world, don't we, that worships self-promotion and worships celebrity. Uh, It encourages and celebrates independence rather uh, than interdependence and community. It worships self and self-interests. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? It's all about me and my needs and my wants. Even when we take photographs now, you know, portraits of it, selfies, isn't it? Selfies. Or you can buy a selfie stick, you know, one of those long sticks, and you can sit there and, here I am, folks, look at me, look at where I am, okay? Because it's, it's, I know it's not quite like that, but, you know, you, you want to show where you are and all that, I get all that. But it's become known as a selfie. It's all about me and my importance. It seems now that every other TV show is a reality TV program. Who likes reality TV programs? <laughs> Nobody's going to admit to it in here, are they? <laughs> there are some. There are some. I, I quite like, um, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. The old uh, one where they're in the jungle. I quite like that one because uh, we like to see them suffer eating insects and stuff like that. In fact, we ate some insects, didn't we, this week? Oh, did you? Okay. We had insects. Um, uh, uh, Al, where are you, Al? Is he here? Oh, he's out, is he? Uh, Al bought some insects into our life group this week just for us to try. That's nice, isn't it? Very tasty, I can tell you. <laughs> I can say I prefer what Penny provided, which was the uh, biscuits. But there we are. So it's all about me. What's in it for me? Can I ask you? Um, in fact, I've put it down somewhere. I don't know what I've done with it. Um, I've got. Uh, I bought my iPad. What did I do with that? Have you got it there? Does anybody have? An iPhone? Who has an iPhone here? Yeah. Anybody have an iPad? Yeah. Good. Anybody have an iPod? Yeah. Where your music is. Have you ever looked at the the logo? Yeah. Okay. It's an Apple. Okay, so it's an Apple. I uh, the I in Apple, of course, is was meant to be internet, internet phone, internet pod, internet. We know the word I has come to symbolize I, iPhone, iPod. That speaks to me of original sin, does it not? And do you know what? I don't know if you can see as well, but it's a mirror. So when I look into that, I can see myself. I can see myself in original sin. Now, you know... When Adam decided to disobey God by taking the fruit that was forbidden him, sin entered the world and our relationship with God was broken. 
incidentally, by the way, this is a metaphor. Okay, we know this is a metaphor. I'm not saying that Apple is a bad company or that Steve Jobs understood the significance of the marketing logo. All I know is this, that when I enters, it doesn't end well, does it? When I enters, it doesn't end well. In 2 Timothy 3, we get the picture. Paul provides a long list of what we are to expect when it comes to human nature. It says, perilous times will come, for people will be, and he gives this long list. But two of those things are, for people will be lovers of self, swollen with conceit. We live in this culture, don't we? And it pervades everything. Uh, now, Richard and I, many years ago, before the smoking ban, before the smoking ban, we used to go to the pub that was at the end of our street just to watch the football. And um, that pub now is gone. Do you know? Do you know? It's been knocked down, which is good. The co-op's coming instead. I'm very pleased about that. Uh, but we used to watch the football together. But when you used to go in there, it was like a fog. Lots of people used to smoke, and it was terrible. They, I mean, the, the air quality was terrible. And you used to come home afterwards, and you walked through the door, and you, the smell of the smoke was just terrible. You took all your clothes off, you put them in the wash, but it was in your skin and in your hair. It pervaded everything. And as much as we don't like to admit it, you know, in our hearts, we know that we are affected by our selfish culture, and you can smell the smoke on us. You can smell the smoke on us sometimes, can't you? There's that old saying is that you, can't, you can take the Israelites out of Egypt, but you can't get Egypt out of the Israelites. And, you know, we need to guard ourselves in these days and make sure that our life reflects the godly principles that we read about in God's word and not the kind of politically correct morality or seemingly wise trends of the day. You know, the good news remains that Christ is establishing his kingdom on the earth through us. And he is showing us the tools that we have to adopt in order to get the job done effectively. One of those tools is this to be humble and count others more significant than ourselves. Not to consider our own interests only, but also the interests of others. Now, this kind of counter-cultural mission is what will draw people towards Christ. This is what Christ did himself. He gave himself. And as a result of giving himself for others, he drew people to himself. And this is why it is a, is a tactic of the gospel. It's not a clever tactic. It's a giving tactic. It's, it's giving of ourselves to others so that we may show Christ and that they may be affected by him. If we represent him well by having concerns for others, we actually become his ambassadors on the earth. And we contribute to the building of his kingdom. And we will see results. As a result, that we will see results. You know, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we gave our lives to Christ, when we first came to him, there was an obligation on us to submit to Christ and his will for our lives, giving up our own interests for the sake of the gospel. You know, we talk about the word submission, don't we? When we think about the word sub, we, we class a submarine. A submarine is something which travels underwater. 
Um, something which is subterranean is something which is under the earth. When we think about the word submission, it's actually putting his mission under our mission. We have our own mission sometimes, but putting his mission above our mission. So we're under his mission. You know, and I think we struggle with that sometimes. Uh, because I think sometimes we can be afraid of what he's going to get us to do. I think we think he's going to give us something really horrible to do, something we won't want to do. But is that true? Is that true? We know that there's a cost to following Christ, don't we? We know that. However, if God has made us for a particular purpose, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He knows what he's doing. And therefore, we should expect that true fulfillment can only come from following him fully because that's the purpose for which we were made. If we ask for bread, the Bible says, does he give us a stone? Absolutely not. No, he doesn't. Matthew 7 verse 11 says, If you who are evil know how to good, good, uh, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is not here. The heart of God is to bless. The heart of God is not to curse. You know, I really take heart as well from Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew 6 when he encourages us not to be anxious about our lives, what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink or what we're going to wear. But what he does say, he says, you know what? Your heavenly father knows that you need all this stuff. He knows that he need, you need all of this. He knows that. But seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. And that's a great comfort, isn't it? But sometimes we don't live in that. We, we like to make sure that we're doing everything ourselves. You know, uh, in the last uh, three years, a lot of you know that I've, I've given up work, so I have no income at all other than what I have to do and go out and find it. Now, I've been very uh, blessed in my life that I've, I've had a reasonable income and I've never had to really worry, certainly in the, the, the last 20 years of my life. Now I do have some concerns from time to time because I am responsible for it. But that's been a great comfort to me because I know that if I seek him first, put him first, all these other things, and God has always provided. God has always provided. I remember once being, uh, when I was, uh, funny enough, I was probably, you know, I was older, I'm younger than 30 years, 24 years old, when I, uh, before Richard was born. And Sharon was pregnant, and I walked through Upton Park, and there was much more money going out than was coming in because Sharon had to give her job up and all the rest of it. And I remember walking through Upton Park and feeling anxious in my spirit, saying, Lord, I really don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we are going to have enough money to live. I really don't know, and I tr have to trust you at this time. And, uh, you know, I've looked back over that 30-odd years, and I'm thinking, hey, blessed I've been, and that God has supplied the needs and even through that difficult time when there was m less coming in than was going out, God always provided in some form or another. Money came in, wor extra work came, whatever happened, but it, it happened. And I've been very blessed in that. 30 years later, when I took redundancy, I walked through um, Upton Country Park. I walked by the lake. I was with 
um, a friend of mine who'd been uh, taking redundancy at the same time, and we walked around that lake, and it came back to me, the promise of God that I'd had 30 years ago. He wasn't a Christian, and as I was walking around the lake, I thanked God that I looked back over those 30 years, and God had been there. And I felt God say right at that point in time, and I'm still here. I am still here. And therefore, you don't need to worry. I've shown you what I can do in the last 30 years. Don't worry about the next 30 years if I get that far. I've got that in hand. And you know, this is what this says. So there's great comfort. The gospel is our cause. The good news about what Jesus has done for us is all-consuming. It's much bigger than us and our needs, isn't it? And as we partner together uh, with this in mind, great things can be achieved for Christ if we stand firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side. I love that. I love that. Striving side by side. We're in this together, guys. We're in this together, striving side by side. And we need each other. We need each other to take the weight sometimes. We need each other. You know, in our natural state, we find it hard, don't we, to put the needs of others above our own. There's kind of a Britishness about us, isn't there, as well, where we're happy to help, but don't like to be taken for granted. Ever felt like that? We don't mind helping, but don't take me for granted. I, you, know, you know, it's a bit British, that. I'll do so much, as long as you say you're happy and... Uh, but what do we do when people don't thank us for things? What do we do when there's nothing in it for us at all? We still give. And we still give of ourselves. We don't like the idea of people looking down their noses at us, do we? Don't like that, do we? And we have to be careful that our privilege does not make us feel superior to others. Because sometimes when we meet others, sometimes we can feel superior to them. And that's not God's heart for us, is it? That's not God's heart for us. And do you know what our motivation is here, again, moving on in this passage? The example, again, comes from Jesus. Verse 6 of Philippians 2 says this, We are encouraged to have the same mind as Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, he did that for us, which makes it very hard for us to justify not becoming servants ourselves for the sake of him, doesn't it? We, however, need the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? To work in us daily so that we can do this. We are weak. Sometimes we are useless. And yet God's Holy Spirit within us makes the difference. 
You know, one of the examples in the Bible which speaks of great humility, uh, a, a great story as well, is when Jesus comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. Can you imagine that scene? John the Baptist. John the Baptist himself was a bit of a celebrity in that time. But he knows who God is and he knows who Jesus is. And as Jesus comes and humbles himself, comes to John the Baptist, John the Baptist says, not me, Lord, I can't baptize you, not me. And then Jesus says to him, you know, Jesus encourages him that it's fitting for him to be baptized uh, in order to fulfill all righteousness. And it, it's at this point that John the Baptist consents to baptizing uh, Jesus. And the spirit descends like a dove and a voice is heard from heaven. You know that story. After this, Jesus himself began to baptize people as well. And the disciples of John uh, came up to him and saying, look, look, Jesus is, is baptizing people now. As much as to say, uh, and everybody's going to him, John. Everybody's going to him. And I love John's response. John the Baptist said, I'm not the Christ. It's not about me. But I have been sent before him. He recognized his role in the kingdom. He recognized his role in the kingdom. I have come to show the way. But now he must increase and I must decrease. And this is something that we have to learn as Christians is that we have to decrease in order that he may increase. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. We thank you, Lord, that you show us through your word how to draw others to yourself. And sometimes there are things in your word, Lord, that we don't feel comfortable with or we don't like or we'd sooner do things our own way. But Lord, you have put these things in place so that we might be successful and effective as Christians. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to adopt putting others ahead of ourselves and giving ourselves for the sake of others so that we might show you and your kingdom. Help us, Lord, as Christians to build your kingdom on the earth and to be good ambassadors for you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy to us. And what a privilege, Lord, it is to work for you. What a privilege it is to be called one of yours. Help us never to forget the importance of what's in the box and that we may deliver uh, on that box, deliver it safely. Lord God, we just thank you for the gospel. We are responsible for, for bringing the gospel to this world. Help us to bring it well. And for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.